0: So I appreciate all the uh, prayers from y'all this uh, last week. uh, It's been a, uh, for me, it's been a whirlwind of a week, but it's been a really good week. Peggy and I have been uh, to uh, Lakeland, Florida for a couple of days for a conference that we had there, and uh, and then I was in Batesburg uh, Friday and Saturday for some district business But, uh, you know, I got to enjoy the motorcycle, uh, you know, so I drove it, uh, you know, Friday down there and, uh, you know, uh, woke up Saturday morning and there was frost on it. And I was like, ooh, she doesn't like that. (laughs) So I had to get the frost off real quick, Uh, you know, but uh, it was a uh, it was really a good time. But um, I do thank you for your prayers and, uh, you know, uh, and I thank you. So I say all of that to let you know that, you know, my last week was, you know, was really great. Uh, You know, there was a lot of traveling, but there was a lot of worship and there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, praising and worshiping God and uh, learning more about God. And I'm glad that last week that testimonies popped out and the spirit moved and stuff because now this week I get to preach what I was supposed to preach last week. Although I've been traveling on the road and stuff. So, I, you know, the message was already prepared for me. Now, that might also tell you something because I've been stewing on this message now for two weeks. Okay, so just kind of hold on, uh, you know, because uh, this message, I believe that God really has something for us. Uh, you know, so whenever we think about this, this is really our reasonable response to God and to what he has Truly done for us, and what and the work that He has done in our lives. Uh, you know, this is what we uh, you know truly should do. And I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, you know that I have uh, you know read, and and this is a story that could have happened to anybody. Uh, you know, so if I'm going to, so I'm going to put a name to it, and uh, you know, so Albert, okay, is the gentleman that's doing the studying. Okay, now it's not really Albert, okay, and Curtis is his friend, uh, you know, that's asleep. All right, so I'll give you those two names to let you know that this story has absolutely nothing to do with anybody that you would ever think you know or that you know you know, all right? Uh, You know, so Albert, uh, you know, was sitting up late one night and he was studying for his final exam as he was in his dorm room in college This was his senior exam, so this was his exiting exam that he had to take the next day to be able to graduate, and he is studying for this, and somewhere around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, he begins to get jealous because his roommate is upstairs sound to sleep, and he's like, come on, I'm studying, uh, you know, and he's, this is just not right, Uh, you know, and Of course, in that part and stuff, you know, we all have those conversations, right? You have those conversations with yourself, Uh, you know, he should be doing this, you know, and we begin to gripe and complain, uh, you know, and in all reality, you know, we should be saying, you know, if you would have studied, uh, you know, three or four weeks ago or started studying three or four weeks ago, you wouldn't be up at two o'clock in the morning studying for this exam because you would know it. We're trying to put the blame off on someone else and trying to defer our upset on someone else. Well, in the midst of Albert doing this, he kind of smells something. And then there's commotion and somebody comes and taps on his back door. And he's like, oh, you know, another disruptment. Uh, You know, in this wonderful night of studying for this great exam, right? Uh, You know, please don't bother me. Okay, y'all weren't there yet. So he goes to the back door and he answers the back door. Well, there's no one there. And he looks out and there's this guy that is running away from the building screaming, Fire! Fire! You know, he's like, oh, no. So he steps outside Onto the patio, and he looks, and the apartment right next to him was engulfed in flames. His immediate response was, Let me leave. No, that wasn't his immediate response. His immediate response was, His roommate is upstairs asleep. So he runs back in and he goes upstairs, and he stands there at his roommate's door and he's screaming. I forgot who I named him. Curtis. Curtis, Curtis, wake up, Curtis, wake up. Well, Curtis didn't wake up. Uh, you know, so he's like, "Man, I got to get him up." So he goes in and he gets closer to the bed, and he's like, "Curtis, you got to wake up," and he shakes Curtis, and Curtis finally comes out of this sound sleep. You know, and he's grogging. You know how you all are. You know, whenever you you first woke up out of a sound sleep, uh, you know. And Curtis looks at him and goes. I smell smoke. Duh! I, you know, the, the building's on fire, you know, so they got out, you know, so him and, the, you know, Curtis, like, you know, they got out and, you know, they're standing outside and they were able to kind of run in and out and get some of the stuff, you know, so they were able to save, like, some important textbooks and maybe some clothes and stuff like that, you know, and and they're standing outside and the medics have, you know, checked them out and made sure that everything was okay and The fire department put the fire out and, you know, they're standing there and like, man, you know, this was really a weird night. You know, I was studying for my exam, you know, and all this. And and then all this here happens. And they're like, but one thing didn't happen. And they're like, what? You know, there was one important thing that didn't happen. And that important thing that didn't happen was their fire alarm never went off. They never heard the smoked alarm. They never went off. Smoke coming through was billowing through the apartment. Never went off. You know, there's important things about this and about having this fire alarm that is supposed to be working. So, how many of you are going to go home tonight, You know, today and change your battery in your fire alarm or you know fire detector? Or, no, it's not a fire detector. It's a smoke detector. I'll get this right, Booger. It's not a hot water heater. It's a water heater. Uh, you yeah. know, So, uh, you know, it's a smoke detector. So how many of you are going to go home and put your battery in there or make sure that you change the battery? Although this is daylight savings time, so you're supposed to do that, right? And your carbon monoxide, and your carbon monoxide detector, uh, you know, all of these things, these are things that warns us. Uh, you know, we think about it, uh, you know, There's a lot of warnings that we do not receive that would save us or that we receive that saves our lives. You know, but this morning, we're going to talk about the warning that saves us for eternity. You know, we think about this, you know, and there's sailors that were asleep on December the 7th of 1941 that still, that their bodies are still in the USS Arizona because there was no warning that the Japanese were attacking. Uh, You know, we have, uh, you know, um, there were some 2,000 or there was 2,356 men and women that was killed on that day. You know, these are people that lost their lives because there was no warning. I believe most of us, if not all of us, I think there's some that's over here that did not experience the nine eleven. Uh, you know the the no warning. There was there was no warning for those people that was in those two buildings in the towers. Uh, you know, much less the ones that were in the planes. Uh, you know, the ones that were. Uh, you know that was after uh, you know the Pentagon that uh, you know where that landed there in the Pentagon there was there was no warning for those uh, you know there are times in our lives that we that we get these warnings there's a lot of us that we get the warning and we ignore the warning uh, you know what about the check engine light uh, you know that little yellow light that comes on on your car that says check your engine uh, you know how many of us check our engine uh, you know now if you're like me you'd go out there you pop the hood you raise up the hood and you go it's still there and we close the hood and it starts back up we're like yeah okay I checked that I checked the engine but the light's still on you need to take it to someone that knows more than you about the engine to check the engine You know, Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. This is a message to Ezekiel. It starts off and it says, once again, so this is another message that God gives to him. It says, a message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man, give your people This message. When I bring an army against a country, the people that that land chooses, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming and sounds the alarm to warn the people, then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the alarm but ignored it. So the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have, been, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman, seeing the enemy, comes and doesn't warn And doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people. He is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their death. Can we pause there and just simply say an oh my? The watchman is responsible. Whew, okay. Now, son of man... I am making you a watchman of the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their death. But if you warn them... to to repent, and they do not repent. They will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourselves. So you got this. I want you to know, there's no plan B. This is God's plan to save His people. This is God's plan for the church. That we are, as the church, the watchmen. It is our responsibility to tell the lost, to let them know that there is something that is coming. What is coming? Death in their sins. We are to warn them of this. If we do not warn them of this, then it's on our, their death is our responsibility. I want us to go a little bit further because the church isn't going to take the only blame. In Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, he replied. So so, uh, they replied and said, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. Now this is to the people you know, that we have here, and you know, the thing is is it, you know, I don't want us to focus on what he's talking about as far as the time. You know the father only knows the time because We know that what he's talking about here is is that this is the return of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is going to return and we don't know the time. It's not for us to know the time. It is just simply for us to be prepared uh, and to be ready for the return and for that time. And we are filled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, in our lives, and that Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do and to be the people or the person that God has asked us to be. But I want you to see what he needs for us to be. And you will be my witness. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be his witness. That's what this says, will be his witness. So can I give you a name this morning? You are a watchman of God. It is your responsibility to tell the people that death is coming if you do not repent. That Jesus Christ will return and if you do not repent, you will die in that sin. That is your responsibility as a watchman and as a witness to Jesus Christ is that we allow them or that we tell them that this is going to happen. It's not an option. See, you you know, God doesn't have a second plan. He does not have plan B as far as how to save the world. His son, Jesus Christ, has already came and it is up to the church, it is up to his believers to spread the gospel and to tell his story so that they would receive him as their Lord and Savior. There's no plan B. It's our responsibility to be able you know to do this. Now we all have issues with this, right? So I want to help you with this. So let's go to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Moses. We all know the story about Moses and the burning bush, right? Moses sees the bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. He goes up. God speaks to him through the burning bush. Uh, you know, when God tells him that he has heard the cries of his children and that he wants Moses to go and to free the children uh, you know, from slavery. Moses was all excited about seeing God in the burning bush. And he says, here I am. Uh, you know, in the here I am statement in Hebrew says, here I am willing to do whatever you want me to do. But then whenever he hears what he wants him to do, he says, whoa, wait a minute. I am inadequate at this. I cannot do this. How many times have we said that? How many times do we tell God, I am inadequate at doing what you have called me to do? God shows Moses that Moses is equipped to do exactly what God has called him to do. God did not give Moses anything to accomplish the task that God had before him, he already had the staff. The only thing that he had to do was he had to give the staff up and he had to throw the staff down. And as soon as he threw the staff down and gave it to God, God transformed it into what he needed it to be. And then Moses picked it up and it turned back into a serpent. Inadequacy. You know, none of us feel worthy of the call that God has put upon our lives. Because we know who we are. We know our failures. We know our shortcomings. But God knows who we can become. In the Sunday school class, in the Sunday school lesson this morning, you know, Jesus changed you know, Peter's name because he knew who he could become. I was able to ask John's Sunday school class if there are people in the church that God has called into leadership that refuse to become the leader that God has truly called them to be. They all answered yes. So I expect that class to have a bunch of leaders to come out of it. But see, we feel inadequate because we know who we are. But God... Knows who we can become through him. All we have to do is just to give him what he has already gifted us with. I think it's interesting, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, so I'm going to go to the next slide for you here. I'm not going to say the first word. You can read that to yourself because that's a word that we're not supposed to say in church, you know, but unaware. Uh, you know there, there are things and there are times that we feel that we are unaware of what we actually have or what we can actually do, but there are times that we are actually unaware as far as what God can do and what God wants to do. You get it? Unaware? But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? Then, what should I tell them? Hmm. Moses is asking a question that, if you remember, in reading throughout the Scripture, was never asked to him. The people never asked him. But we're like, oh, wait a minute, God. What if they ask this? I don't witness to somebody because I'm scared they're going to ask me a question that I don't know the response to. I am am afraid that they're going to ask me to do something or to say something that I'm unaware of or that I don't know. You see this? He says, "I I don't know that. They might ask me that question. But for me, to be safe, I'm going to say I don't witness to people because I'm not the pastor. And I don't have all the answers. Well, can I tell you the pastor doesn't have all the answers? I don't have all the answers. You know, The only person that has all the answers is Jesus Christ. And one of these days... We're going to get to heaven, and, and I, you know, I used to say, and I used to think that, you know, whenever I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him this question. You know, whenever I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him this question. I, you know, whenever I get to heaven, I'm going to have the answers to every question I'd ever had my entire life because I have the truth standing right there in front of me. Right. Jesus Christ is going to be right there. I'm not. There's not going to be an, a question I will need to ask. I'll have it. Whew! Man, that's exciting. Man, as many questions as I have. Man, you know. But see, the fear in in the questions that we bring up. Most people that we're going to talk to, they're not going to bring those questions up. We just need to be obedient. and We need to do what God has asked us to do. This other one here, you know, what are unreliable. Aren't we a bunch of unreliable people? You know, he, he gives us this stuff. He, he gives us the talents and the gifts that we have, but, but we're unreliable and we just don't, we don't use them. It says, but Moses protested. This is chapter 4, verse 1. What if they won't believe me? Or listen to me. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Hmm. Man, we put up all type of roadblocks, don't we? You know, in this, and whenever I was studying and looking and thinking about this, I'm like, yeah, but but God, there's a lot of times that we say that God told me this and, and you really didn't tell me that. But I say it so that it carries more weight. I, you know, it makes me look more important. God told me I was supposed to do this. And God's up there going, no he didn't. <laughs> what do you mean? Where did you hear that? Let me, let me look back at my notes. I'm sure I didn't say that. But we need to be reliable, credible. We need to live a life that we can show people through our walk that God is who we say He is. That He is the Savior. We need to live a life that shows to the people that God is the loving God and the merciful God because of what He does for us, but because of the love and the mercy that we bestow upon them. There's a lot of people that are afraid of God because of the way that we treat them. You know, there's a lot of people that won't come into the church because we've already condemned them before they got here. We condemn them because of their hair. We condemn them because of the clothes that they wear. We condemn them because of the tattoos that they have or the body piercings that they have or the color of their hair or the color of their skin. Or, or, you know, we, we condemn them because of all these things and God has not done that. And we have to be able to love them and allow them to come into God's love and mercy. If we don't give it to them and show it to them, they will never experience it. I just can't say it in words. I can't articulate it. Man, that's a fancy word. I'm surprised I got that out of my mouth. I can't articulate it. There are times in our lives that God does something in us, through us, or for us That we just cannot put in words. We just don't have the words to say it. But we can express it. So here in in verse 10. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord I am not very good with words. I never have been. And I am not now. Even though... You have spoken to me I get tongue tied and my words get tangled and <laughs> they do Stephen, chapter 8 of Acts, the first martyr, he is standing in front of the people. And he tells us something about Moses that we miss. Because in that, in his witness, he goes and he talks about Moses and he says that Moses knew the Hebrew language. He spent 40 years in Pharaoh's house. He was taught everything about the Egyptians. He knew their laws. He knew their gods. He knew how to speak. He even said that he was eloquent in his speech. But Moses is telling God that I can't speak. But God has put him and he grew up in the place that he was going. God had already gifted him with the words and the knowledge that he needed to speak to the very people that he was going to. To bring his people out of bondage. You, where you are. The speech that you have, the language that you speak, whether it be uh, you know the slang, or whether it be down in Louisiana and you have some of that Cajun accent that nobody really understands except for your next door neighbor or your kin folks. Uh, you know, you can't go fifteen miles before you get to another language that you don't know. The language that you have, well, the knowledge that you have, is specifically for the people that God has for you to minister to all you have to do is to be willing to lay it down and allow Him to use you for what He has designed you to be used for. I kind of got excited there a little bit. Because whenever we see this, we go back to Acts and it says that we are His witness. We are His watchmen. We are the ones that are responsible to communicate God to the rest of this world. We are the alarm for everyone else. Uh, You know, that says, listen, if you do not repent, you will die in your sin and you will spend eternity in hell. If we do not say that and tell them that, it is our responsibility. Their blood is upon our hands. But he also tells Ezekiel that if you warn them and they don't respond, it's their responsibility. If you have lived the life for me here on this earth and you have preached the story and preached the gospel and spread the gospel and the people do not turn, it is not your responsibility. It's theirs. All we are supposed to do is to be receptive or to do what God has for us to do. I think it's interesting. Whenever God called Moses to this and said, I want you to bring my people or or go and free my people from from their bondage, he said, you will know this because once it happens, you will come and worship me right here on this mountain. So meanwhile, while we're walking this earth, while we are preaching and while we are teaching God's gospel, while we are telling the story of Jesus Christ in our lives, he says the way that you'll know that this is, gonna, that this is true is Is that whenever you breathe your last here on this earth, that you will breathe your first with me in heaven? But can you hear Moses? God, I'm 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 really not sure. Can you hear yourself? God, I'm I'm really not sure. I need something something so that I know that that this is right. I need to know something to, to know that you were with me. And that's whenever God told him to throw his staff down. And the staff turned into the snake. And then God told him to pick it up by the tail. I think it's interesting. He told him to pick it up by the tail. Most of the time you'd want to pick the snake up behind the head. He says, no, pick it up by the tail. So he picks it up by the tail and it turns back into the staff. But then he tells him what? He says, Take your hand, stick your hand into your cloak. He put his hand into his cloak and he pulls it out and it's leprous. And he says, Okay, Woo, that's not good. That's not good, God. He says, Put it back in, put it back in. And he pulls it out and it's healed. He says, I'll be there with you. He shows him his power. He says, I give you this, this staff, this, this knowledge, this certain you know, this stick that you have that you know that you feel is your support, that's me. The Holy Spirit that's in us, that's the support that's in us that we have, that we sense and we feel that says, Hey, I've got this. Now I can walk and I can go and I can do what He has for me to do. But then he wanted more and he shows him his power. And he says, "You know, he says, you're afraid of a lot of things. Skin, I have the power to remove the disease. Who? The disease of sin. And that's in our lives. He says, "I have the power to remove that, but you have to give it to me first. You have to allow me to remove it. You can't do it on your own. You have to to allow me to remove it. And then, (laughs) we bring all this stuff together and then what was the next thing that he does? He pours the water out. And the water turns to blood. To the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm pouring everything out for you. He looks at us and he says, look, he says, I've done all of these things for you. My son bled and died for you. His blood has washed you clean from all unrighteousness. And we do this through that power. And through that love. And because of that mercy. See all the things that God has done for us. Is why it is our reasonable service. To be his witness. To be his watchman. To be the one that goes to the lost. To be the one that goes to our neighbors. And we tell them and we warn them about the death That is to come. But all along the way. He shows us. That he is with us. Through his spirit. That whenever we get to the end. And we breathe our last here. We'll breathe our first with him. Well done my good and faithful servant. Enter into place of rest. Eternity with him. Man. Man, that is some that is some good stuff. And I was supposed to have a handkerchief up here. I'm so sorry. That's in preaching 101, by the way. This morning, I I don't want you to miss this. I really don't. I want you to understand that it is our responsibility to spread the gospel. It's our reasonable service. But hopefully you see through talking through Moses and his questions that all God's asking us to do is to be willing to be used by Him. And every gift that He has given to you is exactly what He needs to accomplish what He has to accomplish for you. He just needs us to be broken and to be willing. And He'll do the rest. I want to read Colossians 4. Two through six for you. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with alert with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mystor- mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clear as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. We are God's witness. We are his mouthpiece. We are the ones that he has called to this. That is if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This morning is the time and you have that opportunity to receive him. And to receive that power that he gives to us through his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The one that came and that lived on this earth for 33 years. That died on the cross to save us from our sins. He wants to save you from your sins this morning. He wants to come in and He wants to live within you so that you might live with Him in heaven and with His Father for eternity. That the last breath that you take here will be your first breath that you take with Him in heaven. That comes through belief in Jesus Christ. So this all will stand and every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity to do that. If you have received Him but you've turned away and you've wandered out into the world and sin has engulfed your life, forgiveness, is here through Jesus Christ. And that altar is open for you this morning. And if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your plan A, you are His witness, you are His watchman. It is your responsibility to tell the world, to tell your Jerusalem, your Judea, Samaria about Jesus Christ and about what he has done for you. I would ask. that you would step forward and you would say yes I understand that I am your watchman you might have been allowing some of the things in your life the fear to keep you from witnessing the unreliability the inc- the uncredibility or the in ableness of being able to articulate what God has for you to say. If you struggle with those, I'd ask that you would come forward this morning. of you that are active in your relationship with God and you are standing and you are spreading the gospel, this morning I ask that you would pray these three things, that God would give you the opportunity to proclaim his gospel more in the weeks to come. I would ask that you would pray that God would give you the opportunity to to clearly speak his gospel to people in your lives this week and in the weeks to come. And that I would ask that you would pray that you would trust God's provision in your life and that you would put it to action in the things that you do and the things that you say throughout this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for today and for the words that you have given to us. God, I thank you for the people that are here this morning. God, the ones that have came to the altar, dear Lord, I pray, God, that you would minister to them. God, if they have been struggling in their walk and their witness for you, God, I pray that you would give them strength. God, that you would allow them to feel you in their presence and to know, God, that you are not sending them any place that your Holy Spirit has not already gone And that you have prepared the path and the heart of the ones for them to speak to. And God, that they would be willing to say the words that you would have for them to say. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you would be with them mightily. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you again for today and for your words. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we praise you again. In Jesus' name, amen.